0: Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday service message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Kristen Joan Wood. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you in your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the going to say a sentence and as I say this sentence, I want you to, it's it's a uh, board game and uh, as soon as I begin to say this sentence, when you know what board game I am speaking about, just yell it out, okay? This is how it goes. Colonel Mustard in the library with the candlestick. How many of you ever played the game Clue? Okay, we all know that. Fun game, and and so I don't have to go into the explanation. But what I want to do this morning... As we uh, consider this whole topic of it's all about the one and exploring life's great questions about God, this this message is going to zero in on a question that a lot of people carry and a lot of people ask: Is God real, or does God exist, or can we point to God and 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 can we actually have a conversation with people whereby we not um, it's not just about convincing them, but actually. Uh, helping them walk into the knowledge of who God is and the truth of God is who God is. And I think like, like the game Clue, there are pointers that we find in scriptures, Scripture or clues that help us be able to point people to the reality of who God is. So the question, is God real? Our present culture, and I don't think this is any new news to any of you, it has been trying to remove God and the idea of God from societal, societal norms for a number of generations now and it really took grip in the generation of the 60s, it really took grip amongst my generation where we were looking for all kinds of truths out there, and as a result, it became this cornucopia of, of ideas and thoughts about God, and, and so many of them are just false, and they're not true, but today they weigh heavy into our society, and so, you know, people are saying things like this, well, this is the way that you should live, and then there's a whole nother group over over here, that says no. This is the way you should live, and uh, or or then there's another group that says there's no right way or wrong way to live. You can just each person can choose their own way, and 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 you know it's just not common people that are saying that. You got philosophers, you got educators, you've got sociologists, you've got psychiatrists, and and politicians, and even pastors offering all of these speculations about how we should live and how we should conduct ourselves in life and why we're here and and what it means to live on this planet and, uh, and then how should we live. And so everybody is kind of speculating and I want to do something with this message because I think that we have to be able not to live in the realm of speculation. What we need to do is we need to live in the realm of surety. And the only way for us to live in the realm of surety is to have a word that is authoritative and found in the Scripture. We need authoritative revelation that impacts our hearts when we consider the whole topic of God. And we consider how we talk to people about God, or we talk to people about Christianity. We need the authoritative word of God, the word of revelation that will bring us into an understanding whereby when we have conversations with people who have questions, it's not based on my opinion. It's, it's not based on some speculation, but it's based on something of authority. It's based on the authoritative revelation of God's Word. It's consistent with human history that, that people have questioned the existence of God. They, they say things like, well, you can't see Him. Why doesn't He show Himself? If He showed Himself, I would believe in Him. Or you can't feel Him. Or you can't touch Him. And and they try to understand God, who, as we sang this morning, is transcendent. They try to understand God with their five senses. How many of you know that you're never going going to understand God simply with your five senses you need something more and you need the authoritative word of God that that will help you and help me come into a deeper understanding of who God is and so this morning I just want to say as we launch into this message is what we are pursuing is we need a sure word from God when we're talking about these things when we're talking about His existence, when we're talking about the nature of who Jesus is, when we're talking about the authority of of Scripture and the Bible, what we need is not your opinion. Sorry. And you don't need my opinion. What you need is something that has greater authority. And the only thing that I know that has the authority... To establish you and me in the truth is the Word of God. And so this morning, as you're in Psalm 19, we're talking about the existence of God. Well, how do you talk to people about God's existence? Someone who you can't see, someone who you can't touch, someone who you can't uh, smell, you know. How do you talk to people? Well, here's what David said. Psalm 19, we're going to read the first six verses jump into this a little bit. It says, the heavens, come on everybody, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the earth. In them, he, that is God, has set a tabernacle for the Son, Which is like, now he's being descriptive of of what God is like. He says he's like a bridegroom coming out of the chamber and rejoices like a strong man who has just run, run his race. It's rising, the revelation of the existence of God is rising from one end of heaven to the other and the circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Now, understand who's writing this. This is not some deep uh, theologian that has spent hours in uh, some seminary library studying the scriptures, coming into an understanding of, of who God is. No, this is a simple shepherd boy who has spent Hours in the wilderness. Day and night. With with simple sheep. Watching over sheep. But having... Tons of opportunity to, to see the expanses of heaven and the stars at night and how creation is just in this 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 rhythm of and 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 he's he's looking at that and he's he's basically saying to every one of us, how can you look at creation and not come to a conclusion that there is one who has created all of this? That's what he's saying. He's he's presenting, this simple shepherd boy is presenting a theological argument. And he's saying, look at the stars. Start there. They declare the glory of God. They're telling you, listen, every time you and I go out and we look at the stars and we see the expanse of the cosmos, David's saying, if that doesn't convince you that there is a God who exists, I don't know what will. And yet we have those who would try to move us to believe that it just happened with one big bang. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest or revealed. It's plain. It's clear. That's what that word means. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even this, his eternal power in Godhead. So that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts and in their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Birds and four-footed beasts and and creeping things. Paul is saying basically the same thing that David's saying. He's saying when... now, Now, Paul, I would say was a theologian paul was someone who was very acquainted with scriptures and i just wanted to you to see the spectrum a, a simple shepherd boy and a great theologian basically saying the same thing how how can you how can your argument be strong when you look at the universe and see the expanse of the heavens and then your conclusion is there's no god he says when you do that, what you're, if, if you come to that conclusion, Paul is basically saying you're deceiving yourself because it's so clear. So I want to give you some thoughts this morning of, of some clues or some ways that when we have this conversation with people, we can simply talk to them about what we know to be true. The first one is this. When, when you're talking about clues in regards to who God is, and if we'd move to the slides, the first clue is this. Everything that exists, when you look at creation, everything that exists must have a cause or what's called a first cause for its existence. Simply put, the way I put it is I talk to people about the existence and the nature of stuff. People say, well, how do you know that God is real, Chris? And I say, well, because stuff exists. Blows their mind when I start there. Well, what do you mean? Stuff exists. Well, stuff is here. And how did that stuff get here? It just didn't appear, did it? You know, it would be like me saying, well, you know, there was once this 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 rock that was traveling through out of space, and, uh, and and it and it reached this this melting point and 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 exploded. And when it exploded, this 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 liquid began to form on its edges. And as that liquid began to form, it became a sweet substance that 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 suddenly. Uh, took on taste and 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 flavor for human beings and as that as that as that liquid was forming suddenly out of nowhere came an aluminum sheath that encircled it and and as it encircled it it, it, it began to contain and 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 hold this liquid that came out of nowhere and 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 as that that aluminum sheath started to contain that liquid, syrupy, tasty uh, substance. Not only did it, did it uh, have a, this, this aluminum shield, but then on the top there was this, this pull top that came about. And as the pull top was forming, suddenly out of nowhere, the word or the letters P-E-P-S-I, which we means something deeper than we believe formed as well. All of you would look at me and say, uh, Chris, you're nuts. Somebody came up with the idea of Pepsi and there was a creator behind that. That's true, isn't it? The existence of stuff and the nature of stuff. It's called cause and effect. It's called, when you look at the universe, one of the greatest arguments that you can have when you're talking to somebody about the existence of God is that everything is contingent on everything else. Plants just don't happen. They come from seeds. Animals don't happen. They come from their parents. Houses don't just appear. They need a builder. That's how the universe works. And to look at the expanse of the cosmos and say, yeah, I just think it happened one day, would be to believe my explanation for a can of Pepsi. It just happened one day. It's just amazing how it all came about. The evolution of this can is just amazing. Amazing. I mean, even Julie Andrews knows better than that. In Sound of Music, she sang a song that says, Nothing comes from nothing. Nothing ever could. And she was no great philosopher or theologian. But you see, the atheists will say, Well, I don't believe that. I just believe it all happened. You know why the atheist says that? The atheist says that because when, when you become a, a person that believes that, that, that there is no God then you can live your life subject to nothing. There's no greater authority. When you say God does not exist, guess who becomes the authority in your life? You do. And so when you're talking to someone who doesn't believe in God, you already know you're dealing with an authority issue. And one of the reasons I've discovered in conversations with people why they don't believe in God is because somewhere along the line, somewhere somebody in authority has either offended them or broken their heart or done something as a result of that. These, these convoluted conclusions start flowing from their lives, and suddenly they don't want to believe in any authority, and the only conclusion is there can't be a God. Because then I'm a free, I'm free from all authority. And I can just dictate my life the way I want to dictate it. So the first conclusion that we have to come to is, is there up on your, your, the overhead there. The existence and the nature of stuff. And, and look at what some really smarter people than me have to say about it. Can you, can you read that? That one's a little blurry to me. Everything comes from something. And everything depends on something. That is the principle of contingency and dependency. And so that's number one. The second one is that all that we see had to be created by something or someone. Sir Isaac Newton, you know the guy that informed us about gravity? Look at what he said. He said, when I look at the solar system, I see the earth at the right distance from the sun to receive the proper amounts of heat and light, this did not happen by chance. Now, I'll tell you right now that Sir Isaac Newton was a whole lot smarter than me, and that was his conclusion. He says, all you got to do is look and realize this couldn't have happened by chance. And so, when you're having a conversation... You're not entering into an argument. You're leading somebody into a conversation where you're trying to point them to the clues that are within the universe that point to the existence of God. Now, I fooled around with a Pepsi can. Let me take a banana. And I want you to think about this. This is part of creation. It's contingent and dependent on itself. You don't get bananas out of the thin air, do you? Where does the banana come from? A tree and where did the tree come from a seed that was found where now think about this piece of fruit this piece of fruit came about as a result of creation isn't it interesting that it forms perfectly to the human hand and it has its own pull tab You take this and you peel it back and there's a precious fruit inside. Now, for all of you environmentalists, it is also environmentally safe. Because even if you discard the outer covering of this, it's biodegradable. It goes back into the soil and starts the whole cycle all over again. Now, how many of you think that it would take Someone super creative and wise to be able to think up something like this. See, when I'm talking to somebody, I'll take a piece of fruit. And I'll just start talking to them about the piece of fruit. and, And how that piece of fruit points to the existence of God. And I love using bananas because I like bananas. So in the whole process, I can actually yank the pull tab, peel it back. And say look at this it's got a it's got a covering that that as you eat it your hand doesn't get soiled it's good for food it's good for nourishment and it's just right there Albert Einstein said this he says the mathematical precision of the universe reveals the mathematical mind of god I did that for you George I figured you'd like that one And so so David And Paul, they're pointing to something. They're they're pointing, and it's the argument, it's called a theological argument, where they're saying, all you have to do is stop for a minute and look at creation, and you begin to discover the nature and the character of its creator. See, the banana says to me more than just nutrition. It, It says to me that God knew that I would need to eat things that were healthy for me. And so he created all of this stuff that's good for me. How many of you know it's good for you to eat bananas? Potassium is in there, all kinds of good stuff. How many of you like bananas? All right, it's good for you. See, it 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 points, see, when I talk to somebody about it, I'm I'm like, it points to a loving, caring God. Let me, if someone asked me why the hula hoop. Okay, I'm not going to demonstrate the hula hoop to you. Okay, I'm going to use it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Maybe at the end, maybe at the end. But, but, but as an illustration, so we're talking about the, the nature of, of God. And, and so I want you to consider us fitting all of the universe within this circle. And so we'll start with the earth. The earth is just, it's incredible when you look at our universe and you think about all of the planets in our universe and how the earth is situated at just the proper distance away from the sun. And it rotates just enough so that we're not always cold and we're not always hot and we're not always frozen and we're not always burning up, as happens on some other planets. And, and so fit that in there. Fit the idea of, 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 of a universe called the Milky Way... Where it all works and it's all contingent, one thing on another. Did you? I, I discovered some of this. Some of you might know some of this in the study. But but do you know some of the outer planets that are larger in our in our universe? You know what their existence is for? To protect the Earth and absorb comets that are coming from other universes. They're actually large enough that they absorb comets that. That could, if, if they weren't there, make their way to earth. And so it's like this shield around the earth to protect it. So you've got that happening in our universe. But, but our universe is one universe of how many universes, Ben? Galaxies, Galaxies. I'm sorry. Galaxies, how many? 500 billion. 500 billion. And they all fit in this circle. Put them all in there. And they all have their own son, and they all have this, and now, it's just amazing to me when you think of all of that fitting into this circle. Now, how many of you would conclude, based on that, that somewhere within this circle there's one who created it all? Some of you might, but I would suggest that when you look at the universes and the galaxies and, and the cosmos and all that, what David is saying is, your only conclusion is that someone is bigger, greater and more profound outside of all of that created what's inside." And he says, "When you look at the firmament, how can you conclude anything else? The existence and nature of stuff has to have a creator that created it all. And the third thing I want to point to you, and it's something that, that Paul points to is, is and this one now is going to hit a little more at home. Your sense of right and wrong. Where'd that come from? How many of you ever done something knowing that you shouldn't do it, but you still did it and your conscience beat you up the whole time you were doing it? Where do you think that came from? From a God who cares about you. I I was thinking about this as as I was thinking about a story when I was a little boy. Uh, When I was a little boy growing up in New Bedford, Massachusetts, they would have these community uh, like uh, grocery stores. Not like Wegmans today. They were just little grocery stores. And and my mother would, you know, gather up her six kids and we would go grocery shopping. And we would walk two or three blocks. And and we would go and and we would help mom with the grocery shopping and all of that. And uh, I remember this, uh, as I was thinking about this, this one particular day that I went with my mom. And, uh, and so uh, I, I was privileged that day to travel just with my mom. The other five stayed back. And so I thought, special day for Chris. And so I'm out there with my mom and doing the grocery shopping. And because I was the lone set of hands that were helping her, I felt I, was, uh, uh, I needed a reward. And so as mom was walking up, to the, the counter, I plucked a candy bar off the shelf, and I went up, and uh, as she was having everything, you know, tabulated, and count, I, I plucked the candy bar on the counter, and, uh, and everything stopped, and my mother looked at me, she goes, what are you doing, and I said, well, I just, I thought I had earned a candy bar, mom, and she goes, did I say you earned a candy bar, and I said, no, but I just thought it just, we would all agree. And she said, I didn't say pick up that candy bar. Take it back. Take it back and put it back where you want, where you found it. And so begrudgingly, I picked up the candy bar and I started walking back to the counter. And on the way, a thought came into my mind that if you slip this in your pocket right now, who would ever know? And so guess what I did? I slipped it in my pocket. And I'm a pastor. Who said that? (laughs) But I was only seven, Ben. I was only seven. Okay. And here's here's my point. As I was doing it, something was going off in me saying, you shouldn't do this. This is wrong. This isn't the right thing to do. Now, are all of you relating to me, the seven-year-old candy bar stealer? Well, we went home and uh, my mother was unloading the groceries and putting them in the shelves and I snuck over into the living room and I took out my candy bar and I was going to have the feast of a lifetime until my baby sister walked in. And my baby sister walked in and all of a sudden a shriek went forth. Why did Chris get a candy bar and not me? And my mother came around the corner, and she said, where did that candy bar come from? And I had to confess. And you know what my mother did? She stopped what she was doing, and she said, we're going back to the grocery store. And she walked me back to the grocery store, and and I got in the grocery store, and, and I said, okay, I'll go put it back. She said, no, you won't you will go to the manager and tell him what you did. And so I had to go to the manager and I had to confess that I had stolen a candy bar from his store. And all of you are hoping that he's going to say to me, oh, you can keep the candy bar. No, he took the candy bar back. And <laughs> No, he didn't call the police. Um, but I did have to do some hard time in the grocery store, cleaning floors and things of that nature. Now, all of that just to say, when all of that was going down, there was something in me that was saying I shouldn't do this. And I ignored the voice. And I want to suggest to you the very fact that you and I have a conscience that instructs us in what's right and what's wrong is an evidence that there is a God. Who cares about right and wrong and cares about the decisions that you and I make. Listen to what Paul says. Listen to it. He says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. Who show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness. And between themselves their thoughts accusing and excusing themselves. For the truth of God is known to them intuitively. So all of you who have ever questioned the coming of the Lord and and these, these tribes that no one has ever reached and you're asking yourselves, well, what will happen to them? Will God just extinguish them and send them to hell? What Paul is saying is he's saying there is something intuitively that God has created in man that he can know even without a gospel witness that God is real. That blows my mind. That fries my circuits. That God would be that loving and that caring and that kind and that generous to even the furthest groups of people who have never heard the gospel or never read the Bible. That he would put within them a witness of his glory and his majesty. That to me is amazing. So there are clues. Stars. Your inner witness. Your conscience. There's all kinds of clues. And, and, and on a Sunday morning, I can't hit everything, but let me finish by just saying two other things about clues. I think the greatest demonstration of the existence of God is found in the Lord Jesus Christ that God would send His one and only Son to the earth to become a man. To veil His deity and become one of us. And to live 33 and a half years sinlessly with incredible kindness and love and generosity to everyone around Him. That then He would allow Himself to be crucified on a cross so that your sins and my sins could be forgiven. And not only was He crucified, but He rose on the third day to bring forth a demonstration that death could not hold Him down. And that God through Christ was conquering both sin and death for you. But he didn't leave it there at the resurrection. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he said, when that happens, when I go to the right hand of the Father, we will come again to you. And the promise of the Father through the expression of the Holy Spirit within your life will be a remaining testimony and a guarantee that I'm coming back for you. If you want to know, does God exist? He sent his one and only Son to prove to you that he does. And if that's not enough for you, I will stand before you and say my personal experience with that one who loves me has been so life transforming that my life is a testimony to the reality of who God is. Because I could not deliver myself, I could not free myself from my issues, I could not get away from the sin that was in my life, but the minute I turned and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, He broke through the hardness of heart, He broke through the deceitfulness of sin, He broke through it all, and He saved me. And all of you sitting here today who have had a similar experience, you can talk to people about the existence of God from your own personal experience. And you don't need to get weird about it. You don't need to, like, say, I see angels and all of that, and I love you that see angels, and I have an issue with God because he's never shown me an angel. But you don't even have to go there. You just have to say, look at my life. Let me tell you who I was before I met him. Let me tell you how hung up I was and what a jerk I was, and and how he's working in me and transforming my life. And every day I'm seeing something new. So, yeah, look at the stars and say, Look at the stars, how can you not believe? And look at the cosmos and say, How can you not believe? And, and, And look at the nature of a banana, how could you not believe? Or a coconut. Or a pineapple. Or an apple. How can you not believe? But look at my life. How can you not believe? That there's a God. Who reached out of eternity. With his everlasting love. And he rescued me. When I wasn't even looking for him. And that's my testimony. And you've all heard it. Joan and I weren't looking to get rescued. We weren't looking for a savior. We were just doing our thing and living our life. And God said, I love you so much that I will rescue you right out of your junk. And He confronted us one Sunday morning as we sat in her father's church. Neither one of us serving the Lord, but we sat in the front row because that was what pastor's kids did. And the Lord spoke to me that Sunday morning, and he said this. I don't know if I've ever told you this. I've told some of you personally what he said to me. He said, Chris, I will not contend with you for the rest of your life. Today you need to decide if I'm real. And as he was speaking that to me, he spoke it to Joan. And We got in our car, and we were traveling three hours from Connecticut to Cape Cod, and we were driving home. And typically, when back then, it, would be, it was before we had children. And, and so the car ride home to Cape Cod would just be filled with conversation. And we'd just be enjoying ourselves and having a great time. And for the first half of the ride, there was absolute silence in the car. And finally, Joan said, did something happen in church to you today? And I said, yep. And she said, what happened? And I went... I don't know how to explain it. And she said, well, tell me what happened. Now, she had a little more background because her daddy was a pastor. I was more of a heathen, okay? And I said, I think I heard the voice of God. So she looks at me and she says, well, what did he say? And I went, he said he would not contend with me any longer. And that I needed to decide how I was going to live. And as I said that, her face went completely white. And I said, What, what, what did I say? What did I say? She said, He said the exact same thing to me. And it was at that point that we went home. We took all of our drugs, we took all of our alcohol, we put it in the toilet. We flushed the toilet. We sent it all the way. And I stood in my bathroom and I said, God, if you're real, I never want to experience withdrawal. I don't know if I've ever told you this part of it. And I stand before you today having never experienced withdrawal. Now, that's my story. Your story is probably even better. And it points to the existence of God and the reality of God. Folks, when people say, does God really exist? I just want, I hope, I've encouraged you today to say to you, you've got something to say. And it's not to argue with them, but it's to enter into a conversation with them whereby you lead them into the truth. So what do you do with a message like this? Number one, let's all stand to our feet. Number two, anybody want a Pepsi? By the way, I don't drink it. Okay, here you go. Anybody want a Pepsi? It's right here. Okay. I'm not going to throw it. Anybody want a banana? Who wants a banana? You guys want a banana? There you go. All right. Okay, so here's, what do you do with a message like this? Number one. (laughs) <laughs> Who grabbed the Pepsi, by the way? I didn't, there, there was, a, okay, okay, good. Yeah. Joan, why don't you, can, can you come up to the keyboard, please? Honey? I, and I know I went a little long this morning, but, but I thought it was important that I do. Um, I, I think this is what you do with a message like this. Number one, you let creation humble you as you look at it. You let it humble you to the point where you look at creation and you realize the creator of all of that. And you allow it to humble you in his presence. See, mankind is constantly trying to push God out. And what I'm suggesting is with a message like this, what you need to do is you need to see what God has created and you need to let God in. You just need to humble yourself and say, God, it's amazing what you've done see all that has been created listen it was created for you Joan and I were out cross-country skiing yesterday and we were out in the woods and we would just sit and we would just pause and we would look at the beauty of creation and and realize all of this God you created all of this for my enjoyment What a wonderful God. And and, and when you do that, when you go for a walk or or you're sitting on a beach or or you're looking at the stars, let it it humble you to the point where you, you just are humbled in His presence and you let thanksgiving rise up within you. I think the second thing that all of us have to do is we have to be willing to resist the modern evolutionary theories that want to try to convince us something else. Just resist it. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to accept the Pepsi can came to an existence just as a result of a Big Bang. You don't have to try to explain it away either. You just have to say, that doesn't make any sense. But just resist what modern thought wants to do. Because modern thought is, is looking to push God out of your life. And what I want to convince you today is you need to let God in. And the last thing I would say to you is this. Spend some time out in creation worshiping Him. Don't be afraid to do this. And I'm not saying you have to, like, walk around with a guitar, but if you have a guitar, that's cool, or, or push a piano. Or yeah. I'm just saying you go outside and you just say, God, this is magnificent, and I, and I praise you for it. I, I, I praise you for wood that I can chop and put in my wood stove. God, only you could have thought of that as a source of heat for me. You go, oh, come on, Chris. No, seriously. I'm, I'm saying take it to its, its, its most finite thought pattern, and, and you'll see every time that, that the only reason that exists is because there's a God who created it, and he created it for you. You ice fishermen. I know some of us are ice fishermen. I don't understand it, but bless God. But think about that as you sit out on the ice and the wind howls and your feet are cold. You're there with your fishing rod. And something hooks up and you get to bring it. The thrill that you experience when you reel in that fish, he did that for you. So that you could have the thrill of saying, look what I caught. I I, I realized that when I went fishing with Hudson for the first time. He caught a fish, and it was about that big. And you would have thought he caught a whale. He's like, Papa, look at this fish. It's amazing. I'm like, I want that kind of response whenever I look at creation. Just worship him in creation. Joan's trying to get us out. We'll sing your praise forever. Come on, let's do it. We lift your name. We lift your name, Jesus. Father, I just pray that you would take us from this time together here today as we've just talked about simple stuff but profound, transcendent thoughts of your existence, of how you created everything that we see and you created it for our enjoyment. And Lord, I pray for every one of us in this room that that as we look at creation, as we look at the stars, as we go for a walk by a lake, that it would all remind us of who you are. And it would bring us to the conclusion of your goodness and your kindness. And it would bring us to an understanding of just why you sent your son to die for us and to liberate us from sin and death. And that, Lord, we would not be afraid in this hour to tell others of the goodness of God. We would not be afraid to talk to people about your existence and just how good and how great you are. And I pray, God, that every one of us, if we've tucked our personal testimony away, that today we would resurrect it, that we would bring it up, and we would tell people what you've done for each and every one of us in this room. So, Lord, take us today empowered by the Spirit. We thank you for the testimony and witness that you have deposited in our lives and in our hearts, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen and amen. We hope this message has encouraged and challenged you in your walk with God today. Again, this podcast is a resource of Zion Fellowship, spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York. If you'd like to learn more about us, find us at our website at zionfellowship.net or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, feel free to give us a call at 585-394-7450. Blessings to you as you continue in your day.